Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode 15 of the Rosh Kavina Project. Today's guest is a singer-songwriter whose single Paradise can be found on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Wosley. Thanks for coming on, man. How do you know Steve, by the way? Um, so he used to live with uh, a friend of mine um, called George, Georgina. Oh, okay. Um, so I met him through her and he messaged me and he said, you know, you might want to do this to promote your single and blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah, he seems... Yeah. <laughs> he set me up with two interviews now. It's pretty good. <laughs> He's doing better at it than great. me. <laughs> <laughs> great. How do you know him? We went to the same school and we used to be in a band together and stuff. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. So we go well back. Okay, so where did your musical journey start? Um, so my musical journey, where did it start? So I guess that it started kind of from uh, watching Top of the Pops on a Friday, if I'm entirely honest. So I used to sit there and watch and just watch in awe at all these people kind of performing and wish that one day I could do that. Still one of my dreams, like get me on Top of the Pops. I'd absolutely love it. Um, I know it's only like Christmas now, but all the more reason. Um, yeah, and so then it just kind of developed. So being in school and kind of taking on that kind of performing arts aspect, because there wasn't really much music as such to be able to study in school. It was all kind of performing arts based. So I trained in kind of acting and dance and music at the same time and then kind of found my feet with music studied at university as well joined a band so I've been doing a lot of kind of weddings christenings corporate events and then been really fortunate to perform at quite a lot of like pride festivals and a couple of other festivals across the UK as well over the last few years which has been amazing and now we're here releasing music were your other musical projects before did you say was was this your first and it just continued or were you in bands and stuff yeah, so I was in bands and stuff before. I'm still in a band now, actually. So we do a lot of um, weddings, christenings, corporate events, and then kind of like regular parties and stuff. I've never actually been in a band, an originals band. It's kind of a covers band for that reason. So I've done a lot of gigs, actually. I've been really fortunate. So I've played huge prides like Leeds Pride Festival, which was absolutely phenomenal. It was huge. And then I performed at Lytham Festival in Lytham St. Anne's as well as part of their Lytham Festival TV. Um, which is like an online live stream concert at the same time that the festival was happening, which was really cool. And then performed at Arena Birmingham, the Genting Arena in Birmingham as well, um, as part of the pre-show for acts like Ariana Grande and The Weeknd and stuff, which were absolutely phenomenal, kind of just amazing platforms to be able to showcase yourself. So hopefully I get more of those too. <laughs> amazing. How did you end up doing all these uh, big name shows? So if I'm entirely honest, just kind of word of mouth. Oh, really? I've got some really cool friends that have kind of helped me out, which is what it's all about, in my opinion, anyway. Like, you know, uh, for a lot of us, we're all kind of artists up and coming on the rise and stuff. A lot of the people that I have around me, we do exactly the same thing. So it's just kind of word of mouth. You know, I have this contact, you have this contact. Let's see if we can um, sort something out. And that's honestly how it's happened. It's been a lot of kind of emailing and backwards and forwards and stuff as well. But it's all worked out for the best. And I've had some amazing opportunities from it. Oh, brilliant. It sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Like, honestly, <laughs> I don't take any of that lightly. It's huge. That's brilliant. You say you were into Top of the Pops. Uh, how old are you out of, out of interest? 
Uh, so I'm 28. 28. Oh, okay. Similar age. I'm 32. So I just wanted to know as a reference point. Yeah, uh, we're of the same era. Yeah. <laughs> Is Top of the Pop still around? Only at Christmas now. They have a oh. Christmas special and that's it. Which is so sad because I used to love it so much. Like every single Friday, getting to sit there, watch it, and just stare in awe at all these amazing people. Some maybe not so amazing too, but still so good. Like the cheese of it all. I love it. But yeah, I miss it. That's my dream. Get me on top of the pops. <laughs> it was good television in our childhoods, actually. Do you remember like Blind Date? Absolutely loved <laughs> Blind Date. What's your name and where'd you come from? <laughs> so the Black was the dream. I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So what uh, music were you into as, like, a young child? Mm-hmm. So I listened to... Um, I was big in, like, groups, I think, when I was a lot more younger. So I listened to a lot of Destiny's Child, a lot of S Club 7. Those were kind of two of my biggest kind of musical inspirations as a kid, which is so weird, S Club 7 and Destiny's Child. Yeah, so that's kind of what I grew up with. My mum used to listen to a lot of, like, dance and trance music and stuff as well. So I'd say that's definitely an influence for me. She was really into um, all that kind of dancey, trancey, techno kind of stuff. So, like, she's going around the house cleaning, listening to that, and I'm listening and thinking, oh, what are these sounds? Um, but great I really enjoy that kind of music too was that like oh Zombie Nation Do you remember, is that the song or was that is that Zombie Nation that sounds like um, Sandstorm as in that, yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. yeah I think that's what I'm thinking all of, yeah. that kind of stuff so you can imagine like a seven year old kid or whoever else was listening to all that kind of music it was just it kind of blew my mind I was like what what is this when all you're used to is reach for the stars like so bizarre but great how old were you when Spice Girls came around Oh, probably of a similar age. Yeah, probably of a similar age. So they were kind of, what, 98, 97. Um, So I would have been about six or seven, yeah. I just remember that's when kind of kids our age started finding out about music for themselves rather than music that the parents were telling them about. Yeah, for sure. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Wolverhampton, which is right by Birmingham, kind of 10, 15 minutes from Birmingham. And all my family are from Plymouth. So we ventured backwards and forwards a lot between Wolverhampton and Plymouth, which is great. Plymouth is such a beautiful place. Have you ever been? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. It's really nice. It's kind of just a lot of like cobbled beaches and stuff. Quite a lot of rocky beaches. Um, You can walk along like the cobbled seafront and get like fresh fish and chips as you walk along and just listen to the sounds of the sea. It's beautiful. So, so, so beautiful. It's a huge city, but it's quite quaint at the same time. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Right. Next holiday today, I think. (laughs) What's your songwriting process like? Oh, good question. So... I always get told that I do it backwards to the way that the the, the norm is. Um, so I love listening to a beat. I love listening to a backing track and then crafting something around that. I quite often just kind of write loads of things down anyway, whether it just be kind of thoughts, ideas, sometimes lyrics, maybe poems um, in the notes in my phone. Or um, I always have a notepad by the side of my bed as well so I can jot things down. And then when I hear a certain beat, It'll make me think of something that I've already got written down or I can just flick through and see if there's anything that I've got. And then it just kind of happens organically that way and I can craft something to it. That I would say that's kind of my process as such. But everyone always tells me that that's weird because normally they write some, they write like a whole song, for example, or they'd write something and then craft something around that. I can't do that. I don't know why. (laughs) 
even though it's a unique way, it's probably better because you sort of have the backing track already constructed then. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the way that I thought. And that's the way that I saw it. I thought, yeah, that's probably a great way of doing it because then you can kind of tweak things as you're going along as well, right? That was my idea behind the, the process, I guess. So, but I don't know, each to their own. <laughs> do you work with producers then? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm working with a couple of great people at the moment. There's a guy that I work with in Birmingham and his name is Craig um, and he's great. So I trust him like with my life. So he's the person that I've worked with for many, many, many years. We met at uni. Um, he was in the year above me at uni. Um, and we just kind of got to talking and realized that we have really similar interests in terms of music and musicality, music styles. And um, so he's kind of my go-to person. Uh, and then I'll work with a lot of other kind of producers and beat makers, composers and stuff as well. Um, and I think that BeatStars is actually a really great platform for people to find the things that kind of find the beats and stuff that they want. There's kind of something for everybody on there. I think predominantly they're kind of a, like a hip hop beat platform but there literally is something for absolutely everybody on there and they're kind of they're built in everything as well to do with kind of licensing and contracts and everything it's kind of all built into the platform which is really really cool and it just kind of takes the hassle out of um finding a sound for yourself if you don't necessarily craft yourself because for me i don't i don't play any instruments not yet anyway i'd love to learn but i don't play any instruments as of yet so it's a great platform to to kind of build up that initial portfolio of sounds I haven't heard of that website before. Is that almost like a LinkedIn or is it somewhere where people post like beats they've made? Yeah, kind of. I think they're like a middleman kind of platform, third party kind of platform. So they host all of these producers and host all of the beats on their platform. And then you can buy direct on the platform as well. Um, you pay through PayPal and BeatStars have already got like pre-made contracts and everything set up depending on what license and stuff you want. I'm talking about. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going into like the detail of the music now some people would be like i just want to hear the sound um, <laughs> but yeah so they, they kind of break down absolutely everything for you as well and you can find some really cool producers on there some really cool composers and beat makers and then kind of if they're the people that you think oh, i want to work with them quite a lot great connect with them on instagram or even linkedin if that's your platform of choice facebook whatever and then you build from there like it's a, it's a really great tool to kind of start off with i would encourage everybody to use it oh nice uh, let's Oh, what's that noise? <laughs> Are you moving something? <laughs> Sorry, the motorbike went past. <laughs> oh, it sounded like you were moving a cup across the table. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, nice. Uh, so uh, let's talk about your single, Paradise. Ah, <laughs> yes. Okay. I really like it. Is it true it's about your Johnson? Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's all open to interpretation oh, okay. isn't it that's the whole thing with music it could be anything <laughs> i guess you know i think it's uh, i think it's safe to say when people listen to it they probably get an idea of what it's about <laughs> cool oh yeah it's a really good song man i really like it Thank is you. that an example of a beat you bought from somewhere or is that something that you uh worked on with a producer so th this paradise is probably one of the first songs that i ever recorded actually i recorded it quite a few years ago i recorded it with craig craig's kind of like my producer studio engineer he used to craft as well he used to kind of compose he still does a bit of it here and there but he's so talented now he's kind of taken off and he's doing a lot of production and engineering works with a load of cool bands oh. But yeah, so he crafted Paradise for me off the back of something that a friend had sent to me. A friend sent me kind of a little beat idea that she'd been working on. 
and it kind of birthed Paradise. But this was way back in 2000 and I want to say 15. Yeah, I've kind of sat on it for about five years. Oh, really? We've edited it and changed it. So it's completely different to even how it sounded then. So the lyrics have changed completely. Part of the beat has changed completely over the course of the last few years. And then it just got to a point this year when I thought, what am I waiting for? Because I hadn't released anything for, well, at all. I'd, I'd never released any solo stuff at all. And so I thought, what am I waiting for? If this year's taught us anything, is that we, we have the ability to do anything that we want. <laughs> um, so I thought now's kind of the perfect time, really, if any, to do something with the music that I've already got. So I've been working on a lot of music this year too. I've got a lot of stuff ready to go, which is great. And it's kind of reinvigorated me and kind of realigned my focus musically, which is what I definitely needed. Paradise is the first of many. Have you got loads of songs backed up then? Yeah, I've got quite a few, which is really, really cool. I've been working with Craig a lot. So yeah, as I said, he produced Paradise. Um, and then the next single that I'll release next year, um, which is called Apocalypse, Ooh. he produced that too and composed both of them. So that's what we'll go with next year. Yeah. And then we've got, probably got about another three, four or five kind of almost ready to go as well, which is great. Um, this is the most I've ever had. I'm like, ah, so exciting. So I'm really looking forward to it. How come you, you left it so long to start releasing it? Fear. Oh, really? Wholeheartedly, honestly, fear. Yeah, I just really let fear hold me back, which is a shame, really, because music's what I love and it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So to kind of let fear hold you back from the one thing that you want to do is a shame. But you know what? We're here now. And a good friend of mine said it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get to that destination. It's the fact that you actually get there. Um, and I live by those words. I think they're powerful, quite strong words. But yeah, I let fear hold me back. I did, like I said, I did a lot of kind of performing up and down, but it was all covers. It was constant covers, singing covers, singing other people's songs, kind of longing and wishing to be singing my own. But yeah, here we are. And now that will be the case. <laughs> oh, wow. Was that a fear of you worried people wouldn't like your own music? I don't even think it was fear of other people liking it. I think it was just fear to actually showcase that part of myself it's easier to sing somebody else's song than to actually sing something of your own you know because music can be quite a personal thing regardless of whatever the song is but music's quite a personal release for any musician really or any singer so I think it was just fear of actually showcasing that as opposed to fear of people liking or disliking it ah that's interesting yeah it's crazy really but the response has been absolutely incredible so far like I couldn't have asked for anything to have gone any better you know I'm just a I'm a young boy from Wolverhampton that's you know now living in London trying to make his way <laughs> so to kind of get the, the support and the, the feedback and stuff that I've received so far has just been incredible absolutely incredible I'm so 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 thankful and it's just kind of spurred me on it really has it spurred me on to just want to do so much more so I'm just I'm feeling really good really 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 good from it that's mad that um because you seem like such a confident person in your music and stuff it's surprising when you hear other people who seem confident getting anxious about the creative process and stuff like that it seems very common actually yeah I think it is I think it's really really common you know and I think it's important that people kind of speak on their feelings as much as they potentially can, you know, and it, things affect us and, and, you know, can kind of consume us in so many different ways. But like the world that we live in now is such a completely different place to how it was before as well. 
we're a lot much more of an open place now and people feel that they can kind of open up and share more so than they ever have been able to i would say i'd probably agree with that yeah and i think it's there's that certain stigma around kind of people talking about feelings particularly men talking about feelings and people talking about mental health and stuff you know is the tides have shifted slightly so and i think yeah and that's surely just a good thing so hope more people do definitely uh have you spoken to anyone else who has the same concerns about the music they make Oh, for sure. Definitely. Kind of a lot of my friends that all release music kind of have similar kind of worries and concerns and thoughts and stuff. I think it's natural. I think it's natural for any musician to be worried about the music that they create because it's almost like it's your little baby, isn't it? You know, it's something that you've worked on. And as I said before, it's such a personal thing. It's like an emotional kind of release, really, to kind of craft something on your own and then kind of put it out there for other people to listen to. It's just crazy. And even if anybody doesn't listen to it, it's kind of getting over that stumbling block of sharing something. But yeah, of course, yeah, loads of musicians have some. I would say it's natural for most musicians to feel that way. I I think it probably is as well. It's probably because musicians are like in touch with something about themselves, maybe. Yeah, that's a a really good way of, of saying it, actually. That's true. If you're putting your feelings out there, you're sharing something about yourself. I think especially if you're writing it actually yeah yeah definitely I think there's something really personal about kind of writing lyrics particularly Mm. yeah definitely definitely and I have so much admiration for songwriters you know so much admiration for them particularly songwriters who write for other people because songwriting comes from an internal place so to craft a song and write those lyrics yourself and then hand them over for somebody else to kind of sing and interpret it's quite a powerful thing um i have a lot of respect for songwriters it's a bit like being a carer i think (laughs) yeah in a weird way it actually is yeah Yeah. it really really is imagine writing a song for someone else and then it becomes super famous and then but you don't get any of the credit but you'd get all the money so that would be good Uh... (laughs) right see depends on what do you want what do you want do you want the fame or do you want the money see yeah the money wouldn't be too bad actually (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't be too bad eh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh, what like um, songwriters do you most look up to oh this is another good question so a load an absolute load I absolutely love Diane Warren I think that she's a phenomenal songwriter Um, so she wrote Tony Braxton Unbreak My Heart she also wrote Aerosmith Don't Want to Miss a Thing Ah, she wrote I Was Here for Beyonce she wrote a Whitney Houston track as well. She wrote Can't Find the Moonlight by Liam Rhymes. She wrote Because You Love Me for Celine Dion. Um, she's written some of the like biggest and most prolific ballads of the last kind of 20 years or so. So she's somebody that I look up to and admire. I'd absolutely love to sing one of those powerhouse ballads one day. And for her to have um, written it would just be incredible. That's a dream of mine. I also absolutely love Mariah Carey as a songwriter. I think she doesn't get enough credit as a songwriter as well. So she's had 19 number one hits. She wrote 18 of them herself. The only one that she didn't write was a cover. So 18 number one hits she wrote all of them you know she's what 13 14 albums deep and she's written tracks off every single one of those albums from the beginning right up until now and she's not credited enough as a songwriter you know a lot of people everybody knows a mariah carey song every single person and the song that you know she wrote point blank um so she's not given enough credit as well and i think her songwriting skills are incredible 
And then some kind of a lot of up and coming writers, or maybe not necessarily up and coming, really, they've got, you know, they're getting their flowers now. So people like MNEK, I think, is an incredible songwriter who does a lot of work with Little Mix and stuff as well, um, which I think for that kind of pop sphere is, um, is really, really cool. And I think his writing style is really, really cool as well. He's got something to offer, which is quite, feels very, very fresh for pop music as well. Um, so, yeah, he's another one. Oh, nice. How did you end up meeting Brandy? Aha! <laughs> so she is my uh, vocal inspiration. I absolutely love and adore her. Um, so as somebody that's a singer, she's somebody that I completely admire and look up to, um, and I have done for years and years and years. I went to see her live for the first time in 2012 i think it was 2012 or 2013 at the indigo um at the o2 in london i got to talk into a few of the other people we were all there kind of waiting in the queue at the time and made friends with a few of them uh, a couple of years later she came back to do a tour again and this time she was she was she announced four dates i entered a competition to try and meet her and i was told that i didn't get the tickets for the meet and greet in london but the tour organizers asked me if i was going to a show in manchester and they said if i wanted to come to the manchester show they could set up a meet and greet there for me which was absolutely incredible. And so I ended up meeting her kind of then in Manchester. She then said, oh, are you coming to any other shows? Uh, and I said, yeah, I'll be at the London show as well. And I live in Birmingham. And she said, oh, great. Well, why don't you just come along anyway and we can hang out? And I just thought, what? It's like so mind-blowing. So, 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 so mind-blowing that the person that I've looked up to and the person that I admire vocally and the person that's kind of helped shape who I am as a musician to then say, let's hang out. It's so weird, but incredible, absolutely incredible. And she's a sweetheart. She's she's such a beautiful person, like inside and out. You know, when someone's just kind of exudes this glow, she's a she's a truly, truly beautiful person. So yeah, that's how I met her. It's so weird, <laughs> so weird. Ah, uh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's nice when you meet someone who's actually nice. Yeah, you hear a lot of horror stories, don't you? You hear stories of people saying, oh, I met this person and they weren't nice. I remember reading something before. Do you remember that phrase? Everyone says, don't meet your idols, don't meet your idols. Yeah, yeah. I never really believed that. I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to meet my idols one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, and it's so bizarre. So, so, so bizarre. Because she's, she's astronomical as well. She's had such huge success, particularly kind of in the 90s and going forward into the noughties. You know, a lot of people don't realise just how big she actually was. The biggest and longest selling number one record of all time or something ridiculous like that. That's one of the records that she holds, which is just insane. What song was that for? For The Boy Is Mine with Monica. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's one of those songs that if people don't know it when they put it on they're like oh this yeah it's a huge record to get the opportunity to meet her and for her to be kind of just so warm and welcoming and humble and she's just a sweetheart she really really is ah that's cool what uh hobbies do you have outside of music oh, good question no one ever asks me that <laughs> um so i love to bake i'm a keen baker so I make a lot of like cakes and desserts and pies, pastries, things like that. I like to read as well. I never read as much as I always say that I should. So, um, and then whenever I do, I'm like, oh, I love reading. I need to do more of it. So I'm a reader and just general cooking and stuff as well. I love trying out new recipes. I'll trail the internet for recipes. I've got like a collection of cookbooks and stuff as well. So I love cooking, baking, reading, 
and then just general like socializing and catching up with friends i'm quite a sociable person or at least i like to think i am maybe i'm not ask my friends they'll be like no yeah no <laughs> yeah so i spend a lot of time kind of socializing catching up with friends and stuff as well yeah those are my passions have you got a special food that you're really good at Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have to ask the people that have eaten my food. They'll be like, nothing, absolutely nothing. All the time I used to cook before, like a sweet and sticky style salmon. It was almost like a teriyaki kind of sauce, but it was it had a little bit of heat to it as well. I haven't cooked that in ages. You've just reminded me. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my mind. Now I'm going to have to cook that this week. But it's all, <laughs> for me, I, I think of it as like a seasonal thing as well. So like now we're getting into kind of winter. I like to cook a lot of like stews and slow cooked things like beef stews, lamb stews. I just tried out like a Jamaican style vegan stew, which was from a cookbook by the guys at Original Flavour. Um, and it's really nice. So it's kind of kidney beans with lots of like root vegetables just kind of slowly simmered and stewed away for ages with dumplings in as well and it's just beautiful absolutely beautiful i mean i would i would say that i cooked it if somebody else tried it and they're like this is disgusting no joking i'm joking did it say on your website something about a nut allergy is that uh innuendo or is that real No, it's 100% real. 100% real. I actually have a really bad allergy to nuts. I have to be so careful. Oh, God. So, so, so careful. Which nuts is that, or is that pretty much all nuts? Every single one of them. Peanuts, hazelnuts, almonds, cashews, Brazil nuts, walnuts, like every single one of them. Yeah, it's not so great. Fucking hell. I love nuts, so that would be horrible. It's such a shame as well, because I've got a massive sweet tooth. Um, There are some desserts that I look at and I just think, oh, I'd absolutely love that. And then I get up to the counter, I'm like, hey, can I have one of these? Does it have nuts in? They get this huge, massive, like, Bible, which has just got a list of ingredients for everything. And nine times out of ten, they're like, yeah, sorry, you can't have it. (laughs) It's such a shame. But I think that's probably why I got into kind of baking so much at home, because I could obviously make the desserts that I wanted and just leave the nuts out. Here's a funny story. I remember once it was Christmas Day and I kind of went through my Christmas stocking, which was like full of chocolates. It's the most chocolate I ever had in a Christmas stocking before. Um, And I can't remember who brought it for me. It must have been Santa. (laughs) But there was this little blue wrapper with a chocolate in it. And I remember biting into it and then chewing it. And I thought, this has got a funny taste. And I didn't look at the packet at all. And then I realised it was a walnut whip. And I'd never had one of those before. On Christmas Day, I'd eaten one. Well, that was it. Christmas was ruined. I was sick and ill the whole entire day from eating that one thing. You know what it's like at Christmas? You wake up and you have chocolate for breakfast. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I'd had it, like, first thing in the morning. And I was sick and ill the whole entire day. Ruined Christmas. (laughs) Always read the label, folks. Always read the label. Did you have to go to the hospital at all? Um, I actually didn't have to go to hospital, which is good. I was quite young then, so my allergies gotten worse as I've gotten older, which isn't so great. <laughs> but yeah, back then I was oh, just kind of yeah, really, like not very well for for the day. Whereas now it's like oh, hospital, don't die. <laughs> oh my god! Um, have you had any close shaves recently? 
Um, not recently, no. A couple of years ago, I did. Well, actually, recently, the closest thing that happened recently. I wonder. Hopefully, my friend will listen to this, and uh, she'll know. She tried to kill me. <laughs> no, she didn't try to kill me. So I was at my friend's. <laughs> See, imagine you tried to kill me. I was at my friend's house recently. I think it's probably about a month ago, a month and a half ago. She made me a cup of tea. And I had a sip of it and I thought, oh, it's really, because I don't have sugar in my tea, which is weird. I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, I've got a sweet tooth, but no sugar in my tea. Um, so, yeah, I had a sip and I thought, this is so, this has got like a sweetness to it. If you put sugar in it, she's like, no, no, no. And I said, what milk have you used? Um, and she said, your usual oat milk or coconut milk. And I said, just double check. And she checked the carton of milk, almond milk. So, oh, yeah, no. it was just a, a casual afternoon. I was helping them decorate their house and she tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. So luckily I was okay because I hadn't had much of it. When you think of like milk to tea ratio, there's not that much in there. Look at the level of detail I go into for a cup of tea. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> when you hear yourself back, you're like, what am I even talking about? Yeah, so milk to tea, I'm going to carry on. Milk to tea ratio isn't actually that much. And I only had like two or three sips of the tea. So I was okay. So did it make you sick at all? I had like a weird sick feeling in my stomach. But I think that was just like nervousness oh, and the okay. thought. I was like, don't die, don't die. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, no, but it was fine. All was okay, fortunately. But I'm never speaking to that friend ever again. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> just never drink their tea. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't come between a Brit and their tea. <laughs> In the case where you have like a housemate or you're living with a partner or something, where are they constantly terrified that they're gonna eat peanuts and then touch something, or is that just a fear I have when I'm around people with no allergies? I mean, it depends on who you live with. Or in my case, anyway. So I used to live in a shared house years ago when I was living in Birmingham and the people that I lived with did not care at all God. there were two really cool really nice people and then another two that just didn't really care at all one of them was vegan so I mean I guess that was probably where the difficulty was as well because I know that vegans typically eat a lot of things like nuts and stuff for the benefits that they get from them you know we kind of had an open conversation I just said well that's fine I said just you know we're just gonna have to keep them as separate as we possibly can so that there's less likelihood of cross-contamination because for me it is life-threatening but I get that you need Need them for the health benefits it's safe to say it didn't really go to plan then i walk in the kitchen and there are just like loose nuts on the countertops that have fallen out of the bag and <laughs> haven't been kind of taken off the kitchen sides that makes it quite difficult to try and eat and prepare food oh when there are God. nuts literally an open bags of nuts and loose nuts all over the surfaces and that's not even an exaggeration there was a lot of them um <laughs> Yeah, so some not so great instances, but then some others, uh, I lived with two of my friends before and, you know, they just said, well, new rule of the house, we just don't buy them or if we do have them, we keep them in our bedroom and that was really sweet, you know, I said to the guys then as well, I said, I'm more than happy for you to have them, like it's not, you know, we're in a shared house, all of us live here, but they were really sweet, really, really sweet about it, which was nice and reassuring, you know, because I don't want to die. Is your current living situation uh, nut free? Our living situation is very much nut free, yeah, living with my partner, oh, um, nice. yeah, but very much nut free, we're a nut free household, apart from when I go away, if I go away for like the week or a weekend or something, then he gets to have as, as many nuts as he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have not weekends away by himself? 
Oh yes, <laughs> dirty weekend away just to bag of peanuts. <laughs> like hotel room, very expensive one from the little fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very expensive hotel room, bed full of nuts, just bathing them. Ah, uh, that's so funny. Um, what was the music scene like where you grew up? So do you know, I don't think there really was much of one, or I didn't really get to experience and see one as such. Wolverhampton is it's a city, but a lot of people would still think it was a town. You know, it's not densely populated either. So I wouldn't have said that there was much of a music scene as such in Wolverhampton. I think it's because Birmingham's so close. You tend to find that people kind of move towards the music scene in Birmingham. And there's quite a strong music scene in Birmingham. But over the last few years, particularly, I've noticed quite a big rise in a musical scene in Wolverhampton, which is really, really good because it's helping to put Wolverhampton on the map as well. You know, Wolverhampton is home to some great artists, people like Beverly Knight, who is absolutely phenomenal. What an astronomical, you know, voice as well. Great voice. And there is a lot of talent in Wolverhampton, a heck of a lot of talent. So I hope that all these talented musicians get a chance to be seen and be heard as well. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Uh, are you living in London now? I am, yeah. Been living in London for two years now. So I moved down here to study uh, for a master's degree. So that should be finished next year, which is great. Um, I think education is a great way to kind of put yourself into a scene as well. One thing that I've always said is the music industry isn't something that you try to get into. It's kind of something that's all around. And I learned that while studying for my degree. You know, you meet all these like-minded individuals whilst you're in, and as everybody kind of breaks away from uni as they graduate and they go off into their respective fields, well, surely that is the music industry because those are the connections that you've made back then and then you're all doing those similar things and you, you all help each other. I kind of took the same mindset moving to London, so I met a load of amazing musicians um, and a lot of the tutors that are at the uni that I'm at, so I'm at ICMP, and a lot of the tutors that are there are also like working musicians as well, so a lot, a lot of them are like back and vocal vocalists for, for huge names and they own their own touring companies or they kind of give vocal coaching sessions to a-list celebrities and stuff and that's the industry like the music industry is wherever you want it to be and that's kind of the route that i took but yes yeah, so i've been here for drift off on a tangent see do it again but yes yeah, so i've been in london for two years now two years and i do love it i do love it i feel at home now it's taken me a while to feel at home but i feel at home in london now ah uh, that's awesome what uh part of the music industry is your master's preparing you for? So the master's is in uh, music performance. Okay. So it's just a chance for me to kind of delve into my performance style a heck of a lot more, understand it a lot more, tweak it a little bit, think about what works for me, what don't work for me, and kind of find my foot within kind of music performance. And I get to kind of look into so many different styles of performance and craft something that potentially could be quite different for me, or at least I'd like to think so. But that's what it kind of is preparing me for as such, I would say. But it's great. It's a great course. It's the opportunity to learn, I think, is a great thing. Oh, nice. Is there any bands or musicians you've seen in the past where uh, you've really admired their stage performance? Yes. Um, so do you know who Banks is? I'm not sure, actually. So you should have a look at her performance style. I think something quite kind of enchanting about her performance there's something that really kind of draws you in. I think it's almost like hypnotizing. So it's spelt like banks, as in like the plural of going to the bank. <laughs> banks. <laughs> and so she does a lot of kind of vocal layering and vocal phrasing, a lot of kind of cool vocal hooks and stuff as well. She uses a lot of like vocoder stuff. And it's always quite kind of dark, moody-esque. It's weird because it's kind of like synthy, electronic, but then also kind of hip-hoppy 
you can tell that there's definitely that kind of hip-hop and R&B influence with her as well. But it's quite, I would say that it's quite unique. I really, really, really like it. And her performance style is really cool as well. Really, really cool. It's something that people should check out. So check out Banks. And then also people like Christine and the Queens. I think when you put them on stage, I just think that that performance is really unique and it's really cool to see kind of people take on different forms and showcase their art in such a, in such a different way to what other people might see as the norm yeah so she's another one that's for this really really cool what's the future hold for your music <laughs> you tell me I, I really don't know um I, do you know what i just hope that i can continue to do this that's kind of the biggest thing for me i want to just continue you know doing the thing that i love i want to continue making music i want to continue putting music out hopefully i inspire somebody you know hopefully people take away something from certain songs hopefully people can just get lost in some of the songs and hopefully people can kind of have a bit of fun with some of the songs as well you know that's kind of my aim really i just want to continue doing the thing that i love and yeah get the most out of it that's literally my dream <laughs> What up-and-coming musicians should people look out for? Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. So an artist called Sophie Lou, who I think is uh, incredible. So she's from Wolverhampton as well, same as me. And, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily say she's up-and-coming, but she is up-and-coming at the same time. And she's really cool as well. She's quite thought-orientated with what she does. She crafts music for people to listen to, for music for people to kind of delve into. And lyrically, she's really strong as well. So she's somebody that people should pay attention to. She just released a track on Friday. It's a, a remix of a friend of hers, and it's called World Ain't Safe. And it's talking a lot about kind of Black Lives Matter and the huge movement that it is. It's a phenomenal song, phenomenal song. So she's somebody that people should check out. And then who else? There's a really cool guy that I've, I've been listening to for a few years called Hunter as well. And he's really cool. So I got the opportunity to work at a record label years ago over the course of the summer. And he was a new signee at the label back then. And I remember listening to his music then and thinking, oh, wow, like this guy's really, really cool. So and he's been working really, really hard crafting music over the last kind of four or five years. So he's another one that people should listen to that's really cool as well. Yeah, I haven't heard of either of them, so I have to check them out. Good. They're really, really good. Really, really good. In my humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any other interviews coming up? Um, I have, actually, yeah, which is really cool. So I've just done an interview with a lot of the local newspapers in the West Midlands, which is obviously home for me. So I've got some cool things coming out with them over the next couple of weeks as well. And then another podcast as well, I think. And I think I'm going to be talking to some friends at a radio station in about a week and a half, which is really, really cool. It's really nice that kind of people want to talk to me, I guess. Really. And that sounds really dorky. Uh, but that people want to talk to me and ask questions about my music and stuff, which is really nice, you know, to be able to kind of showcase myself this much off the back of my very first ever release is just really, really nice. So I'm really grateful. So thank you to you as well. Thank you very, very much. Oh, no worries. The song you've released is a banger. So I would tell anyone to go listen to it. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you very much. I no appreciate worries. it. Uh, so I guess the final question I've got is, uh, what tips do you have for upcoming musicians? Oh, really good question. Um, just don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up. Like no matter what, no matter what, just, just keep on 
going and just try things out as much as you possibly can. You know, there'll be things that work. There'll be things that don't work. Just do as much as you can and try as much as you can. Try not to take it, you know, too seriously when you're just starting out because you can, it's so easy to get boggled down by thought process and numbers and wanting this and doing this and not doing this and not doing that, that you lose sight of actually some incredible things that are happening around you. So yeah, don't worry and uh, have fun and don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) And don't be scared. And don't be scared. That's it. That's the biggest one. Don't be scared. Just do it. (laughs) Run towards your fears. That's it. Honestly, honestly, though, for real. Honestly, run towards them. Unless they're actually dangerous. <laughs> unless it's yeah. yeah. Unless it's nuts, then yeah, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get over your fear of nuts. It's there for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, all the best with your future projects. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening and thank you to Wesley for joining me. For more on him, go to www.wesleymusic.com and follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Wesley underscore underscore. Follow the show at TRTP Pod. Subscribe, review, tell your friends. Okay, bye.